0: Hey guys, welcome back to The Noteworthy Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan French, and I'm so excited that you're here. We just finished a big music tour, and it was incredible. Forgive me, it's been a couple weeks since we've released an episode, but I'm excited today to have my friend and touring buddy, Landry Cantrell, on the podcast Landry is a pastor's son and worship leader from Hanford, California, who has dedicated his whole life to pursuing ministry through, through music. Growing up around his dad's recording studio and singing in church from a young age, music has always been woven into Landry's life. As a teenager, he became serious about his music, writing, and recording at a prolific pace before now, Landry has recorded and released several albums, composed and produced a full-length musical, and earned a master's certificate in music technology and production from Berklee College of Music. He released his wildly successful album, Projections with Dream Records, and he's released another album since then, and he has a brand new Christmas song out called Last Christmas With You. We have a great time talking about life, and music and ministry today. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. It's going to be a very noteworthy conversation. Let's go. Landry, what's going on, man?
1: What's up, man? How are you,
0: bro? I am doing great, and I'm super excited to get to talk with you today. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, bro.
1: Of course, man. It's been a whole what, like three days, bro? I haven't seen you. We've seen each other.
0: I so (laughs) I'm that like needy friend that like misses people instantly.
1: (laughs) No, I feel the same way with Battle Cry. There's always like a like a letdown after a big event like that. For me, so you go back home to your normal routine, and there's just something like, like sad about it for a few days bro. for me, and then then it starts to get back to normal. Yeah, but yeah. that last day I'm of the, the tour,
0: that. I was super emotional, like crazy emotional.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, this this always happens to me. So yeah, you're not alone. It's
0: it, it's gonna be good, bro. Well, man, super honored, excited to to have you on the show. Um Rachel and I so enjoyed getting to know you i know we'd met um mm-hmm. we met in california one time uh at mm-hmm. frankie's i think it was his release concert and uh yeah loved getting to that know was you a whirlwind for me oh bro yeah that was crazy and
1: probably for you guys too you flew in that day and were out of there you know yeah quickly too so
0: yeah for us the concert was like at 11 o'clock at night for like on our body clock. So it was crazy, but got to meet you there. And then we really got to know you last month, um, on the battle cry tour. We're going to talk about that tour a little bit later, but man, we just, um, really felt connected to you and Kelsey and Cohen and, and just really loved you guys just from the start. So I instantly told Rachel, I'm like, OK, if he'll do it, I want him as my next guest on the podcast. because nice. I just I love that guy. Love you, man. Um, but you um, see, I know like I'm down south. I'm here in Georgia. A lot mm-hmm. of the listeners are, you know, they're all over. But a lot of our listeners obviously are more on the south side of things. So for those that don't know you, tell us about who you are, where yeah. you serve and and just how you got into to music.
1: Yeah, my name is Landry Cantrell, as you've heard already, but um, I'm 30 years old and I've been doing music, man, as long as I can remember. I was going to say 15 and then I just had like a memory of me singing in the children's choir and I feel like that (sighs) still
0: counts
1: (laughs) as doing music. But um, me and my wife, we are the music directors at the church that we attend here in Hanford, California. And this is my hometown. This is where I was born, raised, and where I live currently. And so, yeah, that's just kind of a little bit about me and my my history. I um, went to Berkeley College of Music online after high school. and that's kind of where I started taking like production and recording and all of that seriously. Um, But prior to that, I had started recording as an artist and and writing and stuff like that when I was probably, I would say like in middle school is whenever I realized that this is what I want to do, but I wasn't ready yet to, you know, do it professionally, but that's just kind of when I realized, but yeah, that's a little bit of the history
0: on Landry Cantrell, I guess. Bro, that is so cool. <laughs> I did not know that you went to Berkeley. That that's super cool.
1: I did. They have an online program, which is super convenient. Um, and the way it's set up is, you don't have to actually do like a bachelor's or um, you know a master's program to get a degree, oh, but you cool. can kind of approach it like a trade school. And so what, that's what I did. I did all the same courses that one would do to get a master's degree in music production, except for, like, math and, oh, you know, all those Praise
0: God. You, wow. You need
1: to get, like, your official degree. So I have, like, a certificate, a master's certificate in music production and technology. But... Yeah, my wife has a master's degree, so I have to make the dip like I have to differentiate because I don't want to disrespect right. the heart right. that she's put in to getting that degree.
0: <laughs> That's so cool, man. You guys are amazing. You guys are so cool. Um now um so you talked about, you know, singing when you were in, in the kids' choir and everything, but uh how did you start to discover your musical style? And I, I put this into the questions because I love I love your style. Like you're an apostolic yeah. artist, but like anything you release, you know, many of them have been on the radio. Um and I'm actually gonna kind of slip a sub question in here <laughs> that I didn't prep you for, but okay. yeah, yeah. um in your music musical style, uh when did you start recording professionally and then what was it like for you when you started getting some, some radio hits and what was that experience like for you as, as an apostolic artist? I know I didn't prep you for that. I just, you know, we're good. We're friends here and I'd, I'd love to hear about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So let's start with kind of when I started recording, I mentioned that briefly uh, in in the other question, but so my dad always had a recording studio growing up. That was what he did. Um, And at a young age, I, I kind of wanted to be involved in that. It seemed really interesting to me. I loved to sing. I didn't really write yet. And um I, I approached my dad, I remember very clearly, and said, like, hey, I want to record an album, because I thought that would be the coolest thing. I think I had just sang my first solo at kid in Kids Choir. And so I was like on a high, like, Hi, you know, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And he was like, okay, well, you know, I have a bunch of children's split tracks in, you know, the portfolio here that they had used for kids stuff. And he was like, why don't you just pick out some of your favorite ones and we can record you singing those?" And I remember like looking at the track list and thinking like, this isn't what I want to do. I don't want to record other people's music. (laughs) And so I think from that point on, and I had already really enjoyed writing, um, like stories and poems and stuff like that and so from that point on I think that's whenever I started trying to create my own so my love for singing and my love for writing kind of blended together at that point and started writing I, I remember my first song that I wrote that was actually like a first song from start to finish um it is so cringy (laughs) but um, it's called when I look at the stars and my OG fans will remember it. It's on my first album actually. And it's hilarious, but there's just this really weird key change that happens. Yeah. It's just the whole thing.
0: I will be looking it up today.
1: (laughs) No, you won't be able to find it. I've made sure that it is. Oh
0: man. Okay.
1: But um, anyway, I, I started recording um, when I was 15 and um i made an album i made an album when i was 15 i made an album like when i was 17 um and then i like did like a full on like worship project when i was like 18 wow and then i wrote a musical the next year and then i did another album like i was just like bam 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 let's do it but um those albums were all like practice in a way, because um, I don't sell them anywhere. You can't find them; they're not available. <laughs>
0: but... Wow, that's crazy! Man. So,
1: I my first my first album as like a professional, um, you know, in, in a more professional setting was the self titled album, and I intentionally made that album self titled because I felt like that was the first album that I felt like, all right, like I'm serious about this. This is going to be. More than just a hobby. Um, this is a career and a ministry for me now. And so, yeah, that was when I was about 20,
0: 21. Wow. And how old are you now? I am 30. 30. Okay. Yeah. We're both cool. Kindred spirits. We're yeah. both 30. Nice. Um, so,
1: that was first first half of your question, I think. And the second yeah. Half, yeah. Was that? So,
0: yeah, I wanted to just kind of hear your story about from that point after that self-titled album, did, did you get, did you get signed? How did you get, uh, you know, you started having hits on the radio and, um, um, and so just tell us about that. I'd just love to kind of have the listeners kind of hear what that journey was like for you.
1: Of course. Um, it's been such a long journey. So just as a, as a kid, I always had this vision of, I would, make my first album and then a record label would find me and then that would be it. It would be done. I wouldn't have to work hard another day in my life, which was so, so like naive (laughs) to think, but I was a kid, I didn't know any better. Right. Um, so here I am, right? Like six albums in like, and still working hard. And, um, I was working on this record with Sean Hill, who, you know, yeah, And um, it's the Projections record. It, ha- it hadn't been released yet. And um, I got contacted by somebody from Dream Records. And they were very, very interested in the music that I had already put out. And they wanted to see if what I was working on kind of fit with what they were, you know, with the, dire- the direction they were going as a label. And, um, yeah, so it was really kind of a simple thing. They just reached out and we started talking. I had a few other offers from smaller things before that. Um, but this was the first like thing that I thought, you know what, like this could be something, um, dream records is a smaller independent label based out of LA. Um, I liked that it was kind of closer to home and, um, yeah. I liked that it was, an independent label and that they were going to allow me to own all of my masters still. That was very important to me.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Um,
1: and so anyway, we started talking, I, I really liked them and um, I sent them a few of the tracks that I was working on. Um, I think before you gravity um, were included in that group of songs that I first sent them and they were instantly were like, yes, this is, this is what we want to see. Like, you know um, our label putting out, And so anyway, they're like, just let let us know when this is done and we'll talk again. And so when the record was done, I sent it to them and they're like, cool. They sent me a contract. We negotiated for a couple of months, actually, and figured out something that um, worked for the both of us. And um, yeah, like it was pretty chill. And within like a couple of months, I had put out my first song, my first single and, um, Air One, which I'm not sure if you guys have Air One there.
0: We don't, but I, I know what it is. Yeah.
1: Okay. Air One, it's a huge network of, um, stations. It's, um,
0: nationwide.
1: And, um, they were the first station to jump up on board and support me. Like, literally the day it got sent out to radio, they're like, we're gonna add this, which, which is, awesome. was super random because, air one up to that point for the label was extremely hard to get on board with the releases that they were putting out and so just to have their support right off the right right off the bat was just a huge thing and we were able to leverage that support and get other people on board um and so yeah that's kind of how kind of how that happened and um from that kind of just like rode the wave and then we put out gravity and gravity did even better than the first one and so yeah it's just been fun and i'm just super super like grateful that they invested that in in me a random name that they had never heard before um and they took a chance and they, they put it out i think at one point on their station um i was like for both songs i was like in the top four like played um, songs I know I had friends that were like, bro, your song is getting played too much. Like I'm so tired of it. <laughs> I'm like that's a good thing, guys. <laughs> this is good.
0: That's so cool, man. Man, praise God. That that's amazing. amazing yeah. yeah you, all
1: God, really. He, yeah, He's the only one that can open those doors.
0: Amen. Amen. Yeah, bro, you've got so much great music. I mean, you've put out a lot of music. It's it's so good. And and I'm I'm newer to it, just in the last year. I've been introduced to it, and uh, I've just loved it, man. I do want to talk about your new Christmas song because I'm slightly obsessed with it. I love it. I like y- it. You were kind to send it to us even before it it came out, and I was listening. I'm like, man, I cannot wait for this song. But it's called "Last Christmas with You." It's a very emotional song. Absolutely beautiful. And I want to encourage everybody to go get it. I'm going to let you give some more information about it. But um, tell us about that new song and where that came from.
1: Yeah. Um, so through the label, they, they every year they send out an email and they're like, hey, we want to do a Christmas you know, compilation. And we'd love for you guys to be involved. Let us know if you want to be. And every year I have just kind of thought like, man, I, I'm too busy. I don't have time for this. Um, but this year, for some reason, I was like, I want to do this. I want to to be a part of this. Um, and initially, I thought, like, I'll do a cover. I'll do something, like, I'd put my own spin on a, a classic. Um, and so, anyway, time was getting away from me, and the deadline was approaching. And I thought, like, I'm not going to pull this off. Like, I just need to email them and say, this isn't going to work. But my sister-in-law, Kristen, St. Gary, and her husband, Simon, were over. And I was telling them that and they're like well let's just let's work on something then let's let's do something and she sat down at the piano she started playing something that she was already kind of messing around with and i was like this feels so good this feels like super festive and and upbeat and um she's like well let's let's just write an original then and i'm like i'm down and so i had already kind of been toying in my head with the lyric um like Something about like if I would have known it was our last Christmas with you. Um, and that was referring to my my grandma who passed a couple of years ago. Wow. And just kind of thinking about how, you know, if we would have known like that these were the final moments we were going to spend with our loved one, how we would have approached it differently and how we would have looked at it differently. And so it resonated right away with Kristen because she just lost her grandma, too. And and so we began to kind of throw ideas back and forth and we instantly realized that we didn't want to write a song that was just a complete downer. Um, and so we started thinking about like all the good times, the good memories um, and reminiscing about that. And really through that song, I was able to for the first time um, since my grandma's passing, I was able to look back and see the good things, um, about, about, you know, growing up and, and the good memories because in the years, um, leading up to her passing, it was just super ugly and she, she had dementia. And so she Mm. just wasn't the same person that we grew up knowing. And so in, in, in that, you know, period of time, it was just really hard to remember the the good and to see you know, the old person that you love and, and grew up with and the memories. Um, and so there has been enough distance now between when she passed and when we wrote this song that finally I was able to sit down. And, and it's a funny thing how our, our brains work they eventually like filter out the bad and the good things are still there and left. And I realized that, um, you know, my son is never going to know her Mm, yeah, except through the memories and the photos and, you know, the things that I share with him. And so that just kind of like hit me straight between the eyes. And, um, I, I felt this, um, Responsibility to keep her alive, keep her memory alive for my son and for, you know, whatever other kids come in our family, come up in our family, um, that they that they're going to know her because because of what we passed down to them. And so that's just really where the song came from and how it was born. And man, I can't tell you how much I cried through the process of writing this song. Yeah. And it's been such a healing, healing journey for me to create this. And if it's for nobody else, it was for me. And and I feel like it was worth it in that way. And and through this song, it's been out for a couple of days now. Through this song, I've got to hear so many people's stories. Um, there have been a lot of people writing me on Instagram, yeah. um, wow, just sharing the memories that they have with their loved ones. And that's just been such a special thing that I hoped would happen, but I didn't know if people would connect with the song the way that I did. Sure. And so just hearing that this song has brought back the, the, the happiness and, and the positive things that, you know, wow. they remembered about their loved ones, just, man, it's more than I could have ever hoped for.
0: Man, that is so, so special. Um, as songs it just it gets me every time i listen to it and uh thank thank you guys for for writing it man i want to encourage every listener to go buy that song go go get it right now last christmas with you now um let's talk about the battle cry tour for a little yeah. bit cuz that's that's real fresh in our minds we literally at the time of this recording we just came off the tour um, mm-hmm. two, two weeks, incredible time with, uh, with, uh, you know, Court Chavis and Brittany Scott and with you Landry and, and, um, uh, man, I mean, Rachel and I were just super honored to just be a little part of it. Just, we were the whole time we were like, what are we doing here? This is so cool. God is so good. And, uh, so just tell us what was it like, um, uh, for you going on the battle cry tour. And I will say this just for the listener's sake, the battle cry tour it was founded by Brittany Scott. It's an all-apostolic uh, tour, and it and it, it goes—I think we were in five different cities this time around, and mm-hmm. um, this is the second time they've done it. I know that there's more to come. So for those of you that don't know what Battle Cry Tour is, that's what we're referring to. It's an apostolic tour. It's legit. It's amazing, and uh, we had a great time. But what was it like for you, Landry, being an artist on that tour?
1: Yeah. Um, so, unlike a lot of you guys, I didn't really know anyone coming into it, and so for me, I wasn't sure what I was going, what I was really getting myself into. Um, I knew Brittany a little bit previously; we had written together, and I had met you guys, um, but really we hadn't spent much time together, and so I was kind of outside of my comfort zone. Um, saying yes to this which I'm so so glad that I did and so grateful I knew I wanted to do it instantly but it's just you know for me like going into brand new territory sure. and I didn't think at the time my wife and son were going to be able to come with me I had never left my son for longer than a few days so all these factors um, but I just knew I wanted to do it so long story short I don't know if I've ever been um, among like a more supportive, um, just like family environment um, in in a music setting. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, like when you get into like music, there's usually like a little bit of ego here and there, and um, there's maybe like especially when you spend a lot. A lot of time together there's like some drama usually sure. yeah. i mean just yeah, like humans
0: right. you right.
1: put humans together and um these things are bound to happen but like dude i'm serious um man i i've never been so grateful to be a part of something and just never felt so supported and so loved and appreciated um in a in in a music setting and For me, it it was just so needed and so um, timely because, and I'm sure you can relate to this, serving at your home church locally and then even just doing what you do um, across the fellowship, you're used to just like constantly pouring out and pouring out and giving of yourself. And that's amazing. But at some point, you have to be able to take some time and recharge and refilled and even though i was pouring out on battle cry tour i was really able to partake of what the other artists were bringing to the table um such as yourself and your wife and court chavis and britney scott man there were there were nights where i was just like in the in the audience like just lost in worship in what you guys were doing and i think um that was the most valuable thing to me um the takeaway from the tour was that i was able to just really like refuel and recharge and um come back home with a full cup and Man. in so many ways you know yeah i just i don't know yeah for me that was so special
0: bro it was it was such an amazing time and and you kind of you kind of nailed it right on the head there it was such an incredible Uh, support system everyone that's there the the band all of the vocalists all the artists just everyone on the production team the sound team it's like it was just one big um battle cry family it literally felt like you're on the road with family and And the thing uh, is
1: too sorry i didn't mean to control but the thing is the thing is too is that like everybody was so good at what they did yeah that if there was a little bit of ego involved, you would have been like, okay, they they've earned that or whatever. Like you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're so good at that. They 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 get that. But there's there was none of that. Like dude, like every single person was just the top at what they do and
0: except Brandon. He's a little arrogant. No, I'm kidding. Kidding Kidding. love you Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) We love Brandon. We love, we love you, Brandon. He was our band director. Amazing, amazing. Love you, Brandon. Cotton. But, bro, yeah. yeah
1: every, everyone was so humble and just, man, just
0: all around good people. So special, bro. I'm glad we got to experience it um, with with you and and everybody else. Just such a great time. Like I said, it was emotional when it was over because we were all so so connected through it. Now, I was so glad that Kelsey and Cohen got to come on the second yes, week of the tour. Tell us about uh, how and when you met uh, your wife, Kelsey. What was okay. that like for you?
1: Yeah. Um, so we were 17 years old. Um, we were both a part of a Western All-State Youth Choir, which is um, it was like our district's All-State Choir. And Kelsey, totally out of character, she decided to be a part of this choir. She didn't know anyone. And I had been a part of it already for a couple of years. And so like everybody was like, you know, a family to me at that point. And um, so the first time that I talked to her was during rehearsal she was sitting she was standing behind me she was a soprano and i realized now that this was probably like the most snobby thing i could have done but i was young and stupid so um so anyway i um heard her singing and i like leaned over to like get closer to hear her and she su- she got super self-conscious because of course why wouldn't you Right. And she was like, "Am I doing it wrong?" And I was like, "No, actually, you're doing it right." And like that's, that's the most <laughs> like stupid thing I think I could have said. But I was surprised that she was doing it right because, like, listen, like I had been a part of this tour now for three years, and she was a new person.
0: Right. And so
1: I was like, "You had it figured out. Up. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. But she's so much better at that stuff than me. Um, And so anyway, that was the first time I talked to her. And then the tour really kind of just went by. Um, I think it was a two-week tour. And like a a week and a half just kind of went by. And we didn't really talk. And um, then there was this one day where we were all staying at hotels. And everybody was on the bus. Except for my room, we didn't wake up, and so people were like calling us. And um, finally, when we woke up, we we're like freaking out, panicked, and so I grab all my stuff, I run onto the bus, and um, I ran to my like normal spot where I sit with all my friends, and there was no seats available, and so like I'm making my way like further and further back. And, um, there was a seat next to Kelsey and she was like, you could sit here. And I was like, okay. So I just like sit down, like I'm not thinking anything. And I just put my stuff, um, you know, down in, um, right. Yeah. Like, I'm just so glad that <laughs> I overslept that morning because wow. that happened to be the longest bus ride of the tour. And so we just started talking. And Look we just—I just, just remember—we just started like going through each other's phones, pictures on each other's phones, and telling each other about our family and and different things, and exchange numbers um, during that bus ride. And honestly, like I I'm, I can say with confidence that we've talked every day since. Wow! If it was possible, in some way, shape, or form, um yeah we were 17 we were babies and here we are now we got a son and a That's life so together cool, man and i wouldn't trade it for anything but yeah. yeah i actually have a song about that whole thing um really if you want to check yeah if you want to check it out after this it's called indian summer
0: indian summer
1: and, it, and it's on the projections album okay and um yeah it's a, an Indian summer is a surprise summer after okay. like fall and winter um, have already come. And so for oh, me, cool. the, the meaning of that was it was a surprise, like, you know, good thing that happened when I wasn't expecting it.
0: That is and so anyway cool. We
1: sing on it together. and
0: Oh, bro, this um, is amazing. Okay, I can't wait to listen to that. that that is going to be awesome, bro! What a cool story! The Lord lets you oversleep, and uh, He worked <laughs> the rest all out. I love it, bro! Now, um, and by the way, love your family. Absolutely love your family. Beautiful oh, thanks, family. Bro. And
1: we absolutely love you guys. And you guys were so helpful with our son. And um, man, it just meant a lot to us that you guys were just so invested in in what we were, you know. Yeah. doing and every time like i would be like rocking cohen in the back like i would see her wife she would like give me the thumbs up like are you good <laughs> bro and just like little things like that are just so um man just so i'm looking for the right word to explain that but like
0: it means a lot yeah when it's it. Yeah, I mean, yeah it
1: means so much like really like you know sure
0: yeah so. bro and i i get that and and um you know, I know as a dad, we, you know, we have two boys, Judah and Ezra. It just means the world when people are kind to your kids. It's like, you love that person that much more when they love right. your kids. And so, um, have it, you know, we were missing our kids. Our kids weren't able to go on the tour. They only went to the Mariville stop. So we were like mm-hmm. majorly like those parents, we were missing our kids. So, yeah, you know, Rachel was like, Get me to Cohen. I need to hold Cohen. <laughs> uh, I know. I know. And, and she, she's she's just like Kelsey. She's a great mom. So she's just like any chance she can get to to nurture or just be there for a baby. She she's there, bro, every time.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. We we super appreciated that. Um, Very cool. It's funny because when we first um, came that second week, Brittany was like, you know, like if you need my mom or Alex or anyone to watch Cohen while you're singing, like they would be happy to. And I was like, Well, thanks, but like I just don't think that he's gonna go with anyone. And that's how it started. And then by the end, like Kelsey and I are like both in the altar with no Cohen and we're like, Wait, where is he? Like someone's got him. <laughs> Where's my so like man, like he just warmed up to everyone and um everybody kind of like pulled together
0: and they were just super helpful. Oh, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. Yeah, Brittany's mom was the tour mom and and Cohen was the tour baby. So it was so, so awesome. <laughs> I love it, man. Now, um, I know I'm shifting gears just a little bit here and I'm I want to be mm-hmm. mindful of your time here because, bro, I could talk way too long here. But um a couple more things I want to talk to you about. What challenges have you faced in ministry? And how did you overcome them? And the reason I asked this question, I've actually had this question submitted. A while back, I reached out. I said, what are some questions that you would like to hear guest answer? And this was like okay, on the top. Like people want to hear this. I think it's just encouraging people because they're serving in ministry and they're facing challenges. So that's kind of where yeah. this question comes from.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um so I'm going to rewind back to yeah when I first started. Cool. Because I think that was very like f- formative in who I am now. Um when I so we talked a little bit about, you know, me putting out music at a young age and so just being a dreamer and just pouring my heart out into my first album being very excited about it. I kind of naively assumed that everybody in the world would be equally excited for me that it would be put out and you know when I put it out finally um, it was kind of a rude awakening that there are some mean people in the world that you think are your friends and that you think are your supporters and up to that point my songs had just been Um, between me and God and they were just the way I expressed my, my worship to him um, and my love to him. And so nobody had been able to criticize or comment on anything that I had written or created. And it was just this like, untarnished, like child's spirit of, just worship and then putting it out into the world for people to, you know, consume it just instantly. It got criticized and um, critiqued and wow. like, I've been guilty of it as well. It's just something we do as humans, I think. Um, but we don't realize the effect it has on people. And so me as a 15 year old, um, man, like that was super damaging. Yeah. Um, And And what had just been this pure, you know, sincere form of worship between God and I, now people were starting to comment on and, um, to chime in on and to, you know, tear apart. And, um, like, honestly, it made me very apprehensive to even continue creating music and, and doing that. Um, but, I'm thankful that at some point I realized that what was more important was that I felt a call to do music and that it didn't matter what people thought um, of what I did and it didn't matter if people didn't like it because I wasn't creating it for them in the first place. Right. And so I'm wow. so thankful that I was able to realize that at a young age because what that allowed me to do right off the bat was to not make music for, for other people. And so um, while like my music through the years has been different than what a lot of people have released sure. in the apostolic community, it's been true to myself and who I am, and that's something that I learned at, a, at the age of 15 um, whenever I realized that people aren't going to always respond the way you want them to. But if you're creating music for people, then obviously that's a that's a big factor, and that Shit. matters. Yeah. But for me, I realized that, hey, like I'm not making this for them. I'm making this for God. And, and so like, you know, I, I feel called to this and my pastor is right on board with everything that I'm creating. And so I'm just going to keep doing this. Like I'm not, I wasn't trying to make money at that point. I wasn't trying to be anybody either. And so, wow. um, it just taught me at a young age, the, the whole reason why I'm doing what I'm doing really. Yeah. And if I went through that just to realize that I think it was definitely worth it. Man,
0: that's so yeah, I, incredible.
1: The the biggest hurdles that I've had to overcome was just like right when I was first getting started.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and to be to be 15, you know, that's like that's a that's a fragile age. I'm a youth pastor, so I work with teenagers yeah. all the time, and that's 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 big to be dealing with those emotions at that age, you know. Rachel and so I really we, can't relate to that on a music ministry side of things just because we didn't start recording until, let's say, I was like 25, you know what I mean? So like I yeah, didn't start recording. You, you pre-
1: were ready at that point. You yeah. had already done the work behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was learning in front of people. But um one thing that really helped me through that was like really my parents um just have always been extremely supportive of anything that I wanted to do when it came to ministry. That's they so didn't great. ever want to put limits or restraints on that. Um, and my sure. dad is my pastor as well. So um, my pastor too was very supportive of everything that I wanted to do. And also my church, my my home church, my church family has always rallied behind anything that I've done. and And I think that's very special. And sometimes it's rare for a pastor's son um, to feel that support from their their church family yeah. as a kid.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Man, how special. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I know that that's, that's going to help somebody. Now, uh, <clears throat> on a lighter side, what do you like to do to kind of unplug or unwind when you're trying to just kind of cancel out the noise and refresh Mm -hmm. maybe after tour or whatever case may be like i sent this meme to the battle cry tour thread like the introverts after tour i'm like a a, like Mm -hmm. a a monk like a tibetan monk up in the mountains (laughs) like that's kind of me for a day or two after i've been around a lot of busyness what's it like for you to unwind and unplug what do you like to do
1: are you an introvert? Would you I, consider yourself yeah, an introvert?
0: Yeah, I'm an introvert. Uh, yeah. Well, I I'm, I'm
1: honestly trying to figure it out what I am still, but it anyway, would go. Ahead.
0: Well, I, you know, I'm more of what they consider an ambivert, which means I I uh, like I, I don't think people really know I'm introverted because when I'm around people, I truly do enjoy like being around people. Like I legitimately enjoy it. I think the truest form of introverts like they don't have to really be around people at all. That's not me. I do have to be around people. I just don't recharge uh around people. Like that's not where I draw my energy. Um so I have to have that recharge that alone time and then I'm good to go. So I'm like right there in between uh what that is considered to be an ambivert, I believe. So that's me.
1: <laughs> nice. Yeah, I would have never known that. What was the question?
0: Sorry. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what do you like to do to unwind and unplug from, from busyness? Oh,
1: right, right, right. Okay, so <laughs> the answer, the easy answer, but it's, I mean, it's true, is I like to create music, really. Um, I like to write and just make dumb stuff that I'm never going to release just for fun. Um, that's one answer. But another thing that I do to unwind is... My wife and I really enjoy going on long walks, and that sounds cliche as well. But um, we live on about the beach. No, a kidding. mile. <laughs> right, right. I wish, I wish. We live in California, right? So we should be on the beach, right, right. But we live a couple hours from the beach. Oh, so, man. <laughs> I, know, I know. Bummer. <laughs> um, I know, but um, yeah. So we live about an hour. Sorry, a mile from our downtown in our our small little town where we live and so we like to walk to our downtown and like grab some coffee and you know whatever else go in the little shops and then walk home so it's about like a two mile walk and yeah we just really enjoy doing that and so because it is a small town that we live in i promise we've seen like everybody we know on the way to our like on our walk like everybody in town has seen us at some point (laughs) walking because it's something we do quite often and then that's another nice. thing I like to do to unwind, which I haven't done it as much lately, um, is I actually like to write like s- stories still. Um, I mentioned that I did that as a kid, but that's still something that I do. Um, it's these days it's been more of in the form of like a play, um, just because that's something that we do at the church a lot. And so I kind of like harness it and hone it into that direction. That's cool. But, um, yeah it's kind of
0: kind of what I like to do bro I love it I love the I love the just creative um side of you you know it's just kind of you have this kind of creative artsy side and and I can like I I think we're kindred spirits with that because I really do love like going to get coffee you know I love to talk about like deeper things and stories and, you know, things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, But I also love to just sit down and and just, like, play guitar and just work on something, not because I want it to be something, just Mm -hmm. to, like, unwind and let it be what it's going to be. So, like, for me, when I sit down with an acoustic guitar, that's, like, that's kind of, like, my happy place. Like, Rachel will always say, like, you can't go into a guitar center right now because... Like once you go in there, I won't be able to get you out because it's just like it's right, right, right. it's such an unplugged. Like yeah, you. yeah, it's such an unplug for me, which is ironic because it's acoustic guitar. It's literally unplugged, yeah. <laughs> but it it really is. So, um, okay, so uh, songwriting. Uh, you're an incredible songwriter. Maybe Thanks, you could just uh, help somebody that is an aspiring writer. They're trying to learn. You know, I, I like to to kind of paint it like this it's a blank canvas you haven't written painted anything on it yet what does that process look like for you when you're sitting down to write a song
1: okay um so for me it's evolved over the years Um, as a kid I used to just get into the studio and just start creating with no like point or concept or you know end goal I just would start creating and there would be times where I would come up with something that I liked. but often I would just kind of like fizzle out and nothing would happen with it. So as I've gotten older and my life has got busier I'm more elating in writing. And what I've discovered works the best for me is if I have a concept um, that I've kind of been playing with in my head for a couple of days, um, whether that be just like something simple like gravity, Um, you know, the concept of God's love being like gravity, keeping us in place and holding us down or, you know, whatever it is, as long as there's like a strong concept that I've been like kind of feeling, I can usually sit down and, um, and create something that I feel very good about. But, um, yeah, I like to start with a chord progression um and cool. i'll record the chord progression and i will cool. loop it a thousand times and then i will start humming melodies usually this is kind of how the process is for me um, and i'll record tons of melodies into my phone and once i find a melody that i feel like this is really good then i'll go on to the next section of the song um, and record the chorus melody. So, like, I'll usually have the song fully, um, like, the melody of the song fully written before I even start the lyric. But I usually already know the concept. Like, I already usually know what I'm writing about. So, a lot of times in the melody, when I'm humming the melody or mumbling the melody, some lyric pops out here and there just because, like, it seems to fit good with um, the the way that the melody is flowing. And so, once I have chord progression and melody done then i will sit down at my computer and i will type out the lyric as though it's like a poem um like i know like the the phrasing i know how that has to go i know um you know where the rhymes need to fit and i'll just kind of create it like fill fill in the blank a little bit um and that's just kind of my process that's how i work most efficiently but I will say there have been occasions where I will get the lyric before I get anything. And um, in, those, in those scenarios, what I like to do is I like to bring that lyric to somebody else and have them like help me with the melody. Because when I'm writing a lyric without a melody already in mind, like for some reason the melodies that are coming to me just are super generic sounding It's just very like that da 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 like you know what i mean and so if i could take it to somebody else that has nothing invested in what i've already created they can usually instantly like kind of break me free from that box that i've put myself in when i was creating the lyric but sometimes when i write the lyric first my lyric is more meaningful like it's a little deeper. Sure. We like yeah. have a song called "Temporary" that I recorded and wrote uh, with um, yeah. Kristen
0: again. I love, I love this song. And
1: that's how that song started. That song started as just I I was driving, and um, this is not recommended because it's obviously illegal. <laughs> but I had um, these lyrics just like coming to me, and um, I was I was praying and I was asking God, like you know, I need a song for the session I'm about to go. I was driving to a writing session these lyrics started coming to me and i'm like i don't want to lose these so i just like quickly as safely if that's the thing as possible um jotted them down in my phone and i kind of just like left them we didn't even use it for that right that i was driving to but i brought it to kristen later and it was just like in poem form and she just started playing lyrics there's a there's a voice memo of it somewhere of the whole process of creating that and um yeah it's just i don't know it's just a really cool thing collaboration is huge too
0: yeah I love that, like bro. If, yeah. Yeah. You know, I just had this crazy memory hit me that I totally forgot about until this second. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah. So we actually met on Skype before we met in person because we were a part of a songwriter with James. Uh, James Wilson was bringing songwriters together to work on some stuff. And, um, uh, you were in that songwriting session. I totally forgot about that.
1: Yeah, I do. I I do remember you popped in um, for like five minutes. Yeah, and then you you had to go. So I yeah. met you very quickly, but there were like six other people in that right too. And I was like, "Hey guys, um, I'm
0: excited to write with you. I've got um, ten minutes." <laughs> You're
1: like here are my ideas, boom, 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 boom. All right, I
0: gotta go. I know, I know. Yeah, no, it's cool. It but was I, so I cool. like totally forgot about that. So that was that was cool. Mm-hmm. Well, man, um, I I wanted to close out with this question. I I asked this question quite a bit on on the show, and uh, it's because it's a moment that impacted me at NAYC in 2019. It was the night that yeah. brother Jack Jack Cunningham was preaching and he challenged us to be apostolic to the core. The name of his message was Gen Z um, apostolic to the core. And it just like that night just like changed me. Like a thousand people got the Holy ghost. There was all these miracles. Um, Crazy. And uh, I was like, man, I remember being in the stadium, 40,000 people. I'm like, I'm so proud to be apostolic right now. Like, this is just so awesome. And uh, so I, I this, that's kind of where this question was birthed from. But What does Generation Z and this younger generation need to work on uh, to make sure that we remain apostolic to the core and accept that challenge from Brother Cunningham?
1: Absolutely. So I thought about this question for a while. um, And really, the thing that I would say is that this generation coming up just needs to make sure that they know what's in the word of God. Like, really, that's just, it's a simple answer for me once I thought about it, because there's a lot of things that a lot of people like to associate with being apostolic. Um, whether it's, you know, the, the, um, exuberant worship or the dancing or this and that, and all that stuff is great. Right. Um, and it's biblical, but at the core of it all, Um, it all starts with knowing what's in the word. And so if you know what's in the word, then you have a firm foundation on what you believe. And what happens a lot of times is people, they latch on to the culture of being apostolic and the things that come along with, you know, being apostolic, the byproducts of the relationship that other people have built and the, you know, the knowledge that they have gleaned from studying the word. Yeah. And they think that that is the identity that separates us. And when wow. life gets hard and they, they get older and, you know, peer pressure starts to hit them, they have no root system to keep them in place. Um, because what they've based their their entire identity on is in some way superficial you know yeah and so well wow. if we start out with understanding and knowing what we believe and learning the fundamentals and where they are in scripture and why and and a lot of people get scared when people start asking questions but I, I would love to encourage this younger generation to ask questions if you do not understand ask questions study it out find it for yourself because once you can ask the questions then you can find the answers right? right there and there's the difference too between asking questions to find an answer and questioning things to dismantle them it's a totally different thing and so That's good. questions aren't bad if you're seeking answers um so yeah man it starts with the word of god knowing what you believe finding that for yourself really
0: bro that is so so good Thank you so much. Well, man, yeah, man. this has just been a, a real privilege for me. I, I, uh, I, I, I always ask my guests to pray over us. If you could, if you could just say a prayer um, over the listeners today, we'd, we'd so appreciate that, man. Oh man, you just
1: put me on the spot. I'm sorry, bro. I just I <laughs> believe in you, man. <laughs> You're good. All right. God, I just ask that you would um, give this next generation boldness, God. I just ask that you would give them an understanding of who they are and their identity and you um, and that you would you would reach them where they are. I know that a lot of people are hurting in ways that we haven't experienced before. Um, you you are bigger than that. And you understand that fully, God. And I just ask that you would um, extend your arms to them and just remind them that you love them and that you're you're here for them. And um, there is nothing too big or small yes. for you. And um, I just ask that you would protect them, protect their minds, protect their bodies and whatever they face. And um, in, in your name we ask this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. In Jesus' name. Landry, um, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you your ministry and we love you and kelsey and cohen please give your family a hug from nathan and rachel we love them oh i
1: definitely will
0: so much and i really hope we get to see you again really soon i feel like we're going to like i just have that feeling yeah i Uh,
1: i I hope so man i really do
0: yeah and I, i pray there's more tours to come together and just and uh we need to write together we need to definitely do that yeah yeah. And, um, hey,
1: wait, before this podcast is over, yeah. Um, and Rachel have a Christmas song coming out. I don't know if you've announced it yet. You can edit this out. No, go ahead, bro. Yeah, fine. But You're fine. Yeah. Man, it's such a beautiful song. Oh, thank um, you, they bro. They sent it to me whenever I sent it in mine. And it's just the arrangement and the production and the way it all, the melodies, everything is just so pretty. Like, it's just so lush <laughs> and, um, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just like beautiful sounding. So yeah. they're going to want to get it out when it comes out.
0: That means a lot, Andrew. Thank you, bro. We love you. Thank you for being on the program today. I know I kept you for almost an hour. It was worth every second of it for me. <laughs> and, uh, no, and, uh, and man, we appreciate you, bro. We love you. And and we hope to see you real soon. Bro.